Does an orthopedic condition or sports injury have you sidelined? Make your comeback with GW Hospital Sports Medicine. We offer services from neck to toe, including care for shoulders, hips, knees, ankles, and hands. Plus, we're the official healthcare partner of GW Athletics, the DC Furies, and the DC Revolution. Get back to doing the things you love. Learn more at gwhospital.com slash sportsmed or call 888-4-GW-DOCS. Physicians are not employees or agents of this hospital. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your hosts from SteelersDepot.com where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora. Always lit. Talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 73. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Wednesday, Steelers Nation. And Dave, it already feels like the offseason, and I know that because fans are already trying to decipher what Deontay Johnson's tweets mm. are, uh, which is just really peak offseason content here. Uh, three days into this thing. So uh, I'm for the record, I'm sure it's nothing. And I'm going to spend zero time trying to figure out what Deontay Johnson's saying. You know, it might just be him, you know, talking about, you know, look out for what's going to happen during the off season with him and, and his workout schedule. And, you know, it could be something, something as simple as that. You know, a lot of people are trying to already speculate uh, he might get traded. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Some people said about Canada getting fired. It's ridiculous. It's yeah. just a tweet. Guys. I mean, yeah, g- give us a little bit more to work off of if you're going to speculate there. But uh, uh, I mean, who, who the hell knows what what it means? And and and, and you know, to spend all that time on it, just I mean, we'll see how the Canada thing obviously plays out. Probably by the end of the week, and we found out a little interesting little nugget about that. At least we think that we did the last couple of days, right? I'm trying to transition real quick out of this Deontay stuff here. <laughs> yeah, amen to that. Yeah, let's, but hey, um, you did have quite. I mean, you had quite a stat that that has circled circulated around the internet when it comes to Deontay Johnson. Of course, nobody gives you credit for it, but uh, I mean, it, it's showing up everywhere now. Yeah, the record that no receiver, no player wants to hold most receptions in a season without a touchdown, 86. That breaks a what 40 year old record held by. James Wilder back in 1984. And so Johnson looking for that touchdown next year as Ben talked about as we think we talked about Monday, Pittsburgh was doing their best to try to get him in the end zone against Cleveland and had a couple of really good looks two of them down near the goal line on, on slants. And both those passes got batted, which just kind of felt like the way his season has gone. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, he could just as easily have probably five touchdowns this year as we talked about, uh, uh, I think in the other show about, you know, a couple of them going off of his hand, you know, just, just what, yeah, you know, it's just one of those things. Hopefully next year he hits the ground running, gets five in the first three games or what have you there. So uh, another stat that you had, that's I think's making the rounds uh, Cam Hayward himself. Uh, I think you, uh, did you talk about that the other day, the other wacky stat about uh uh, first play and last play of the mm-hmm. season, a sack and all like that. So uh, somehow that circulated back to him. And uh, he talked about that on his uh, latest podcast that dropped this morning. And he also talked about uh, he's not going anywhere, right? 
Yeah, he's not leaving, is the uh, Wolf of Wall Street quote there. And again, have you seen that movie? You've seen I that have one, right? one of the few that I've seen. I like any of those okay. financial type. I mean, it's kind of financial, kind of not. And obviously, it's a little over the top, yeah. uh, a lot over the top. But yeah, that's a good movie. Man, I'll watch anything on Margot Robbie, man. She is uh, <laughs> bir- uh, Birds of Prey. Have you seen that? The old, uh, no. you know, kind of the, you know, the you can only ask me that once. You can't pressure oh, lock on two man. movies. Day. Uh, man, that that uh, that that whole character that she's been playing in uh, in in that series. Uh, I don't know. You obviously didn't read the comic books growing up and all like that, I don't think. But uh, man, she nails uh that character in that and uh there's not many things that i look forward to as far as you know like movie you know, blockbusters and all uh coming out but i'll i'll watch anything in that series uh of her playing that uh uh that character that comes out there i think she just fantastic in that anyway well, anyway back to cam hayward right. he did say that he's uh not she, retiring she's not that bad looking either she's not that bad looking on the you know when it comes to the eyes all right, we're going to focus on Cam Hayward uh, and talk uh, about him not uh, retiring, although he kind of it wasn't as 100 percent as as maybe I think some of the graphics on the podcast said, um, because Hayward talked about needing some time to let his body rest. And whenever he does play or does anything in general, he wants to be 100 percent all in and have his heart completely in it. But he did say that essentially there's no plans, no desire right now to retire, that he wants to be a Pittsburgh Steelers, still loves playing. And so we fully expect Cam Hayward to be part of this 2023 roster he's not going anywhere right and so it was much ado about nothing based on his post-game comments on sunday let's get to some news of the day dave pittsburgh signing their future contracts at least 10 of them on tuesday long list of names and i can read off here many of them uh guys that were on the steagles practice squad to end the year they included wide receiver jamarcus bradley defensive back duke dawson guard william dunkel linebacker amike Egg, egg, egg blue, I think is how you'd say that. Uh, running back Jason Huntley, center Ryan McCollum, safety Scott Nelson, running back Master Teague, wide receiver Cody White, and tight end Rodney Williams. And so some of those names more familiar than others. Master Teague turned heads this summer, briefly was back on the team. Uh, Cody White has been part of this roster off and on for the last couple of seasons. I've always been a fan of Duke Dawson, um, etc. So Scott Nelson bounced on and off the roster of the practice squad this year. So those are the list of 10 future contracts you know and i have uh started getting this all you know the rule of 51 all all uh together here and they you know these 10 signings gets it pretty pretty dang close when it comes to that and i was uh, looking up uh the salary of uh jamarcus bradley uh he's actually got a couple of accrued seasons in the league or accredited seasons in the league uh, and I think of the list of guys that they signed to futures contract i think he is the the uh, the most expensive of the no I'm sorry make a egg egg blue uh, I think is uh, also another one that's got a couple he's got a couple of accredited seasons too I didn't realize that I I might even been the one that wrote that up I don't remember there but uh, uh, he's he's a million dollar salary uh, uh, when it comes to this thing one point oh one zero million when it comes to him and. Uh, Let's see who is another one. Jamarcus Bradley, nine hundred forty thousand. Uh, Duke Dawson, nine hundred forty thousand. I think he's got a credited season or so in there as well too. Uh, Ryan McCollum at eight hundred seventy thousand. I think most of the other ones are uh, are uh, are minimum salary uh, uh, rookie type guys. So uh, interesting. I, I had to. I meant to take today to kind of look back a little bit at, at Jamarcus Bradley and see if there's anything there. Do you remember? Do you know much about him? 
No, not off the top. Um, maybe yeah, he's I, been I usually... on the practice squad all year, right? I think. Um, or most of he... it. I'd have to go back and check. Yeah. I do future contract reports in the off season where okay. I kind of go dive back into these guys. But again, a lot of these, a lot of these guys have been on the practice squad or on and off the team. So I, I think usually what's more interesting are the names who don't sign future contracts at least to start. And as you've talked talked about, sometimes it's guys waiting and seeing if there'll be other opportunities, other teams to come calling. So notable names that have not signed futures contracts yet. They could in theory later this week or whenever the case, but Anthony McFarland, uh, cornerback, Mark Gilbert, uh, Carlos Davis, John LeGlue, uh, the offensive lineman and Rennell Wren, uh, notable names who have not yet signed future contracts with the team. Yeah. And as, as, as you kind of recap there, uh, and we saw this last year, right, with a handful of them. Mm-hmm. And then I think one or two of them maybe circled back, like Anthony Miller or something like that, or or was it even Carl Joseph? I, I don't remember. But uh, a lot of these guys are probably getting uh, advice from their agents, you know, guys that guys that have actually played some snaps in the NFL to, to why don't you just hold right off and, you know, instead of signing a futures contract there, see if there's anything out there, and then circle back to see if any of these teams – you know, are, are, are still willing to sign you there. So uh, it's just probably part of the process. And, you know, you might still see one or two of these guys still re-sign back. So, uh, but uh, the initial list, as you mentioned, are guys that, you know, just have either you know, been on a practice, most of them, I think, have been on a practice squad at one point or the other. Right. So we'll see if any other names come in or any outsiders over the next uh, couple of days in in week or so. But those are the 10 signed yesterday you'd mentioned something top of the show here about matt canada his status currently still the steelers offensive coordinator although as we talked about on monday if this team does make a move i would expect it to be more of a tomorrow friday news dump kind of decision if he's gone but some information came out earlier this week that would indicate the odds of him returning are are probably higher than him leaving and that espn officially confirming that Matt Canada is under contract for 2023. We suspected that. We discussed that on Monday. We had every every reason to believe that was the case, but we did not know that as confirmation. Now ESPN saying his deal runs through next year. And again, the history in Pittsburgh is coordinators do not get fired. Their contracts expire. And so I think that's another reason to believe that Canada is more likely than not to return next year. Yeah, that's the most concrete. I think if I, I talked to Joe Corey and he doesn't have, you know, he doesn't have access to know which ones, you know, uh, you know, coaches contracts and, and, and amounts of length. He obviously has access to everything else when it comes to contracts, but that not that kind of stuff. So I think that's kind of the first, you know, quote unquote report that we have seen uh, on that sort of thing. And as, as you highlighted, they they. They don't have a history of firing those guys, and and this is not to say that they they can't do that, uh, but the release won't be <laughs> decided not to renew his contract or has decided to retire. I, I think it'll just be you know a, a one sit statement that uh, we've decided to you know part ways with, mm-hmm. with with Matt Canada, something along those lines. So uh, Friday's getting close, Alex. Yeah. And again, I mean, in theory, the news could come at any moment. It could be now. It could be Friday. It could be Monday morning. I use Friday as just kind of based on the history of, like I said, uh, on Monday about what happened with Randy Feetner and Todd Haley and Keith Butler, Um, because at some point you have to sit there and say they're obviously not going to 
at least I doubt they're going to announce if Canada's returning. So no news is going to be your answer at some point. So at what point do you start really suspecting, okay, there's been no no answer, so we have to assume he's staying. And I think basically by Friday afternoon, evening, if we haven't heard anything, that's where I start really shifting towards, okay, this guy's coming back. Uh, in other words, it's not the, the old uh, uh, saying, uh, no news is good news, right? It's uh, at least for most people listening to this and are rooting for Matt Canada to be gone. Mm-hmm. No news is probably bad news for them, right? Right. Matt Canada, no news is good news for everybody else that wants him fired. No news. You know, the longer this thing goes on, the longer you, you hear nothing uh, that in itself becomes an answer. Maybe he's trying to hide from the Turk right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Canada, we need your playbook. Mike Tomlin wants to see you. <laughs> Mike but Tomlin wants to see you upstairs. We'll see what Friday brings. Like I said, I think if it happens, it'll still be a couple of days. Pittsburgh generally slower moving in these types of decisions, as Mike Tomlin talked about Monday. But, um, you know, I think I think the fact that we now know he's under contract for next year, a signifies that, again, these coordinators signed three year deals and that that's pretty important to the odds of him returning. Well, you look at uh, explosive plays, pass plays at 20 yards or longer and run plays of 10 yards or longer over the course of the last two years, 2001 or 2022. Uh, This is uh, everybody. uh, Get get. Firm grip of your Brent beverage right here, or or any food that you might be uh, uh, holding while while you know if you're driving or something. I don't want anybody to drop anything out of out of uh, uh, you know shock. Uh, the Steelers are near the bottom of the league uh, when it when it comes to 20 yard explosive play passes and 10 yard explosive uh, play runs. So that's obviously uh, one area in today's NFL. Uh, look, they, you know, one thing they did do in the second half of the season that we talked about was they, they were able to possess the football and drive the football down the field. But uh, in today's NFL, you know, what's the likelihood of seeing that you know, on, a, on a very consistent basis? You mm-hmm. need more explosive plays in there. Uh, their longest uh, uh, touchdown of the year was 30-something yards. That might have been the one to, to, to Pickens, was it not, at, at the end there? Yeah, their two longest plays, touchdowns, was pick-ins in the finale and Mika Fitzpatrick's pick-six in week one. The right. longest before that, or besides that, was pick-ins 24 yards. Right. Yeah, I think your longest pass play of the year was, I think, uh, what, uh, against Baltimore maybe down the left side to pick-ins for 50-something yards. And your second longest, uh, I think, play from scrimmage in 2022 was to uh, Connor Hayward on the uh, blown coverage against the uh, against the Buccaneers. Uh, well, Fryermuth had one for 50 against Atlanta. Oh, that, that's right. right? That's right. That's right. Tackles, yeah. So yeah. Uh, uh, that one. And then the, yeah, and then, then the Hayward one right. was next. Right. right. So – uh, yeah, definitely got to get better there. There's no doubt about that. I think even I want to say Pat Frymuth made a comment about that as well, needing more explosive plays. And speaking of which, he uh, and it was already, I think, believe confirmed or been reported on prior to Frymuth talking about it. But he went into more detail speaking yesterday on 93.7. The fans saying that his knee that was injured very scarily looking so in the finale against the, uh, the, the Cleveland Browns is all good. It's a grade two MCL sprain month to rehab, no surgery. He'll be good to go. So certainly really what feels like a best case scenario for an injury that looked like it could have been extremely serious. Yeah. Like I said the other day, whoo, uh, that, that didn't look good at all, man. And uh, I think even uh, uh, Dr. Mel uh, stated that she thought that, you know, might be a ligament thing. You start thinking about, about back to uh, several years ago when Heath Miller had that injury at the end of the year. So uh, sounds like, 
he sounded like he was in great spirit. You know, of all the interviews that a Didi Kinkle Ball has done uh, uh, throughout the season, uh, that might have been the uh, that was the best one, I think. For for starters, you don't hear all that background noise in the restaurant that they're at and all. But uh, I thought overall, uh, he was one of the better. Uh, he was the, one of the best interviews that she's she had uh, in that segment of hers there. So I just wish she didn't talk so much about herself <laughs> during them, but uh, and ask more relative questions. But there were good questions, and obviously uh, he wouldn't bite on anything related to Matt Canada or anything along those lines. But uh, uh, the key, the key takeaway was that I, I think he's going to be fine uh, after a couple, you know, several weeks of rehab here. Right. Should be good for the spring and certainly good to go for training camp. And so obviously an ACL tear or something like that would have jeopardized his week one status, but not the case there. So very happy about that with Pat Frymuth. All right, Dave, you uh, are going through some of your offseason content that you do every single year preview of what to expect. There's upcoming offseason decisions this team has to make by posting your uh, exclusive right for agent uh, post that went up the other day. There's two exclusive rights players, and then you have your restricted for agent uh, to be players that'll come up uh, later today on Wednesday. So let's go over those names and just talk about, you know, the, the status of those guys, the seasons of those guys and who may return, who may not return. Yeah. Uh, you look at the two exclusive rights, free agents, and uh, to recap real quick, any player with fewer than three accrued seasons and an expired contract, uh, that defines an exclusive rights free agent. If, 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 if the, if his original team offers him a one-year contract at the league minimum, based on his credited seasons, the player cannot negotiate with other teams. So these are guys that, uh, if you offer them a one-year deal for the minimum for the credited seasons, they have to take it if they want to play. Uh, those two guys are long snapper, Christian Coots. And outside linebacker, Jameer Jones. Uh, Kuntz is obviously, this was his second uh, season as the team's long snapper after taking over or after beating out Cameron Kennedy uh, last in 2021 during, you know, the offseason in training camp. And uh, Jameer Jones is somebody that the Steers had, uh, 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 how's Mike Tomlin like to say, uh, we have done business with him before. And uh, <laughs> they had done business with him before. They actually brought him back as part of that you know, weird Derek Tuska, you know, that big, you know, uh, uh, Jannard, was it, uh, uh, Avery, I, all that roundabout there mm -hmm. at, the, at the start of the season ended up with Jameer Jones on the 53 man roster. And, uh, he ended up playing all 17 games. Now he logged just 86 defensive snaps, uh, in 2022, <laughs> you wouldn't know it, but, uh, uh, 251, uh, 251 more on special teams. And that was the fifth most such snaps on, on the Steelers special teams wise. Uh, he ended 2022 with seven total defensive tackles and one pass defense. He also, uh, I think had three total special teams tackles in 2022. Uh, long story short, it's with both these guys and, and I, you know, you've watched more of the special teams tape. Uh, through uh, all 22 tape and, 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 you know, the mechanisms and the snaps and all like that throughout the season. Uh, I'll talk a little bit you know, about Jameer Jones. I think there's enough there for him to potentially once again, be a fourth outside linebacker on this team. I don't want him to be the next man up third, you know, third guy, but I think with what he offers on special teams, depending on uh, the competition you get throughout, throughout the off season and all, Long story short, he'll likely get an exclusive rights tender for a minimum amount here. Might already have it 
and uh, by now, and I, you know, uh, there's no harm in offering that because it's non-guaranteed and you can get out of it. You need to cut him uh, before week one there. Uh, Christian Kuntz, I expect him to be uh, exclusive rights tendered as well. What do you see from Kuntz during the season? Yeah, I thought it was kind of a disappointing year for him, to be honest. And I'm not going to, I don't track that necessarily relig- religiously, but I thought there were some high snaps this year. I thought Presley Harvard did a, did a great job as a holder um, for Chris Boswell, bailed uh, Christian Kuntz out a couple times. So am I okay with him coming back for the offseason? Sure, but I think he needs some competition. I think that this performance was not where it needed to be. I know that there's a metric that, um, and kudos to you for, for being able to ask and get the answer for, I'll write that up uh, later today about, Presley Harvin having the ninth fastest snap to punt time in the NFL. So it's probably a credit to, to Koontz for that on, on having some quick snaps, but the accuracy felt off to me. So that's a, it's a long winded answer that I'm sure no one cares about for a long snapper, but I care. <laughs> uh, we care. You should care. And so I think there should be some competition, but I expect both Jones and, and Christian Koontz to, to be in Pittsburgh uh, come next summer. You know, I'm with you. And I, I, you know, as I, I what didn't go as in detail with, with the all 22 reels on the special team side of things than, than you do just the TV tape alone uh, got the feeling that it, it could have been better out of him. And within that, I will, I, you know, I think you tender him at uh, 940,000 without, you know, issue, but I, I make sure I have someone else in camp to see if they can unseat him and especially a younger player uh, at that. I don't think, I don't think it's uh, as we sit here right now, you know, now obviously until he gets competition, he's the odds on favorite, but uh, you get somebody else in there, especially maybe someone with some experience. I think this might be an under the radar uh, training camp battle here. Yeah, I think it's one worth talking about, one worth noting. So those are the two exclusive rights players. Don't get too many of those anymore. What's the, that's the NFL changed something a couple of years ago that kind of makes those guys pretty rare? Is that because the rookie contracts are four years or something like that? I I think you see more. Uh, yeah, a because most of the guys you'll know, get four year contracts to draft picks, obviously, and the undrafted guys get three years. And right, so they become uh, restricted. Right. That's what it, it is. It, it, guys. Right. If, 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 but then you have these guys, the Steelers somehow get a lot of players sometimes that fall through the cracks with the, you know, uh, exclusive rights, you know, kind of deals. They usually have two to three a year. And I think that might be slightly uh, higher average than, than the rest of the year, because I mean, it's, it's uncommon to see those kind of, bo- you know, uh, bottom in kind of players stick you know, uh, especially all season there. So mm-hmm. anyway, uh, I expect both of those guys to get exclusive rights uh, tenders there. Uh, this, this team has four restricted free agents. We'll roll through Alex, James Pierre, Steven Sims, JC Hossenauer, and uh, a lot of people probably didn't even know he's, he's technically under contract or was under contract this year. Running back Jeremy McNichols, and correct me if I'm wrong, shoulder injury like two or three days after he signed ahead of training camp. I think he cleared waivers as injured, reverted to the team's reserve injured list, never received a settlement, and he stayed on uh, reserve injured all season. I'm guessing he had some sort of shoulder uh, surgery along those lines. Uh, We'll start at the bottom of the list uh, with Jeremy McNichols. Uh, He's not going to get a restricted uh, tender. 
No, no brainer there. Yeah, he was hurt early in camp before the pads even came on. So I'm not sure what he did and how it happened for him to have a, a serious, you know, shoulder injury of some sort. But uh, yeah, he's uh, he will not be tendered. All right, uh, we'll, st- we'll 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 move from the bottom on up. J.C. Hossenauer played. Uh, you know, due to all the help that the team had, knock on wood. You know, J.C. did not have to play many snaps. I think he played 46 in total on offense. All of them, I believe, at center, uh, and he had another 71 special teams snaps. I think he was one of the play played the guard on. Uh, uh, on the field goal and extra point team. So uh, 71 special team snaps there. Uh, the, the snaps that he did play at center were, I mean, kind of nondescript overall. What Not not good, not bad, not awful, not not great kind of kind of deal there. Uh, knowing that, you know, near this, you know, restricted tender for him probably going to be in, in the neighborhood in 2.7 million. What do you do with him, Alex? Yeah, now he would be a right or first refusal guy, right, as an undrafted player. Um, I, I think he comes back. There's always the consideration to do you opt to not tender him and then just sign him back on a one-year deal or something below that tender. That, to me, would make more sense. Uh, the team's done that before occasionally. I want to say, did they do that with Marcus Allen last year? They did that with somebody, I want to say. They actually tendered him and then they, they cut him. Uh, remember they, 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 they restricted tendered him and then cut him and then signed him back at a, at a, uh, okay. didn't he even sign him back at the, I can't remember. Maybe it was the same. I think it was the same. Yeah. Yeah. Remember we had conversation wondering were sure. they going to cut him and save a little bit of money by, because they needed to manipulate the roster spaces, you know, for, for the IR guys. But I think they ended up bringing him back at the, at the same price You're as right. the tender. You're right. Okay. But anyway, um, so I, I, maybe they won't take that path with, with Haas. Now I think they like him enough as a, as a smart on paper, versatile backup though. To me, I really see him as a center only. He can play guard. He has played guard. He's way too small though, to really reliably play guard for the Steelers team. But um, you know, I think with Kendrick Green's future, very much unknown, I would expect Haas to return. But do you give him the tender? Could go either way, right? Yeah, I personally wouldn't, and that's where you think about the mechanism of not tendering and just giving a deal, but I'm trying to think, has Pittsburgh actually done that before, or at least recently? Now, granted, new regime to an extent with Kahn and Weidel, usually, you know, with this team maybe wanting to manage their cap space a bit better, it would make more sense to me to not tender him, but Pittsburgh may just choose to put the tender on him. What what they do at B.J. Finney a couple of years ago? Did they, in one of those years, they did restricted tender him, didn't they? Uh, I'd have to look it up, but I assume you're you're probably correct about that. Uh, I'll have to look uh, that up real quick. Yeah, okay. that was in 2019. They put a second round tender on him. Wow. Actually, I think about that. Now, that was before things kind of went south, before he signed with Seattle and it all kind of fell apart for him. That was back when Finney was really seen as that top interior backup. Uh, and you have to get these tenders out before the draft and all, too. You know, so that's another thing. Maybe they will end up uh, restricted tendering him, Alex, and see where it goes. I mean, I think he's I think he's on this roster come camp, regardless sure, of what I, path his I, team takes. Right. I, I I think you're right there. Uh, but you you pretty much guarantee it if you if you tender him, you know. Sure. So we'll see. Uh, I right. think a, I think a right of first refusal, right of first refusal tender is, is certainly a path to take. 
All right, Steven Sims. Yeah, I think it's the same story. I think he comes back. I think he probably gets tendered, especially if Canada returns as OC, somebody that fits well with his return value. Although he always scared me on punt returns this year, even though he didn't really muff any, he just never was static. You always want to be static and kind of standing in place when you feel the punt and he was always moving as he was trying to catch the football. Um, But the work he does in the the receiver jet game and just all the hats that he can wear, um, he probably gets tendered. I think he does as well too. And I think that'll, that, that might upset a lot of, and look, these are, these are non-guaranteed and all, but I mean, it, uh, you get kind of thin at wide receiver. We'll see what they do during the draft and all. Uh, but I, I think he gets tendered as well too. And we'll see whether or not he makes the team or not. Uh, James Pierre, this is one that it feels like you almost have to have to tender, right? Yeah, given the uncertainty about Cam Sutton, then you have a Kella Witherspoon. You know, Pierre to me has been uh, to an extent a frustrating guy and a guy that I keep wanting to see a bit more out of because physically I think the tools are all there. He's got size. He runs faster than how he tested. He's physical. He's a good tackler. He's carved out a good role as a gunner on special teams. This guy's made plays. He's definitely a football IQ. Yeah, definitely a gambler. Definitely more mistakes above the neck, understanding situational football. There's a lot of highs and lows. It's a little Akella Witherspoon-like, although Pierre's bigger and more physical and a better run defender. But mentality-wise, they're, they're kind of similar. Still, having said all that, for some depth that's pretty cheap and a guy that you know and a guy that I think you know certainly can make some big plays, I, I see him getting tendered as well. I do as well, too. And there's also the special teams aspect. He gives you some snaps in that in, in, in that area as well, too. But that money does add up pretty quickly for those three guys. What's the number on that? I mean, that's I mean, let's let's six, let's, seven million. Let's say it's two point seven. I don't I mean, we, we don't have a final number yet because it all depends on what the cap is and all. But let's say it's uh, two point seven uh, uh, per, per let's call it two point eight per player. Okay, I mean, I mean the math uh, on that's over eight million dollars. Right, that's right. Eight point four. Now you have to subtract some, you know, because of a uh, displacement. You know, seven hundred fifty thousand uh, is a minimum salary. So what's seven hundred fifty thousand uh, times three? That's a million and a half, and what's that? Two and a quarter or something like two point two two five yeah. million. So subtract that from the eight million. That's that's how much. Uh, cap space you would need uh, to uh, to to uh, to tend to those guys at the low level. About six million total uh, right. post displacement, which is still so. Again, with with Hassenauer, personally, I would not be tendering him at that level. I would resign him on a cheaper one year deal. Maybe even consider the same with Sims Pierre. I'd probably just give the actual tender to um, to save myself some money. But we'll see if that's the actual approach Pittsburgh takes. Once again, you can cut these guys, you know, without without issue there. But uh, I don't know. I the one the one that I'm the one that I'm not so sure about is Hassenauer. I mean, we know J- Jeremy Nichols; he's not going to get tender. No sense sure. in that. Uh, but of the other three, Pierre Sims and Hassenauer, he's the last one. Hassenauer is the one that oh, I, I I'm with you. I I wouldn't tender him, but I wonder if they will. And they've, it seems like they basically do at every, mm-hmm. every opportunity. Um, but, but it's, it's, that's a bit more than minutia. I think in terms of our expectations, we expect all three guys to be in St. Vincent college next July. Correct. Right. Okay. 
So that's the restricted names there. And so that only leaves the unrestricted list of players, which we'll probably talk about on a Friday show or next Monday or whenever the case. Right. All right, Dave, I think that uh, not a ton more to talk about today. Do you want to mention the Ravens or did lock up their linebacker Roquan Smith to a record deal? Five years, one hundred million dollars. I know maybe some of the details aren't necessarily fully known on that, but still a, a mega deal for Roquan Smith. And so Pittsburgh will have to face him twice a year for the foreseeable future. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you had to know that once they traded for him, that that was, you know, uh, you know, the path they were going to probably take with him. Right. Uh, they weren't going to give up a second round pick and then let him walk after this year. And Smith, an impact player playing great football for them, their defense, their metrics have really improved since acquiring him. And obviously Pittsburgh felt that Smith had a couple of strong games, especially that week 14 performance with the interception. And so, um, you know, he's taken care of and, and for Baltimore, all focus shifts towards Lamar Jackson, both this week. Will he play? Is he healthy enough to play the, uh, in, in this game against the Bengals? We shall see. But of course, his long-term future of her agent to be after this year. What's your sense? I'm sure you haven't spent a ton of time thinking about it, but is Lamar Jackson a Raven next year? Uh, I think they, I think they tag him again. So, uh, I, and I think that'll that uh, it'll be interesting to watch his 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 uh, his reaction to this. I we've had this talk, I think, several times. Uh, on 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 the podcast about what do you you know you almost damned if you do if you damned if you don't with him, uh, man I, you know he he's missed more time when he's he's one of those guys that I think he's going to continual continually miss miss some time during the season. How do you give that guy like top three quarterback money? I guess you know with the guaranteed money. Uh, I think maybe they might tag him, and then I don't know maybe they might be interested in trading him. Yeah, I've heard that thought. It's just, I understand the point. Tag, when tag been, and trade type situation. Sure. When he's been injured, it, it's tough to justify giving him money. But then, of course, you watch how this team, this offense has played without Lamar Jackson, and they've, they've tanked. I mean, their offense was miserable last year. They collapsed down the stretch and went from division leaders to missing the playoffs. And then this year with Huntley, you know, their offense struggled so mightily. And so that shows the value of Lamar Jackson, how key he is to the success and the health of this team. So there's this, you're caught in between saying we pay him this amount of money and he gets hurt versus look at the value he brings whenever he's available. If we lose him, if he's gone, our offense really feels like we're starting back at square one. And so there's that confliction this team's going to go through. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Like I said, I, I would be real hesitant to pay him that big kind of money. Right. But uh, Roquan Smith getting his money and that is certainly Deserve Dave on Steelers Depot. We're doing some uh, uh, the second annual Steelers Depot awards for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so the MVPs, the rookie of the years and those kinds of things. My first uh, ballot went up today. We'll have uh, ballots and votes from you and some other members of the site. So uh, do you want to go through all these one by yeah, one? Go, or? Yeah, go, 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 go through yours and kind of, right. you know, kind of recap your thoughts here. My offensive MVP in this one, a little harder. The first award, maybe the hardest one to uh, to hand out and figure out. I went Pat Frymuth, and I know that there were other worthy candidates. I think Najee Harris certainly worthy of that. But Frymuth, to me, was that consistent, steady presence throughout the entire year. Basically, the only guy in offense you could rely on 
week after week to perform and, and play well. So a second year jump, the receptions only went up a little bit playing in this run heavy offense, but he made more downfield plays. So many key receptions on third downs showing good chemistry with Kenny Pickett, um, you know, as a blocker in line, still work to do, but out in space, he was excellent um, to me, just really that steady Eddie type of dude. And so he narrowly edges out Najee Harris for my MVP award. Hmm, okay. Do you any idea which way you're leaning or do you, uh, for, for, for offense, top? was that offense? Offensive MB, MVP, yes. Uh, I thought, man, they was able to do a lot with with, with Pickens was able to pro- provide some big plays. I, I'm kind of leaning uh, George Pickens. Okay, fair enough. Uh, defensive MVP, I think maybe a little clearer here with Minka Fitzpatrick. Still other worthy candidates, Kim Hayward, uh, Alex Highsmith. You could argue the loss of TJ Watt, of course, shows the value of TJ Watt. But Minka, six interceptions, closing out clutch games. Still a good tackler. I think his tackling to me super underrated. Uh, versatility, just the impact he made, you know, game to game. I went Mika. Yeah, I, I don't think you can go wrong there. I mean, look, I, uh, Alex Highsmith, though, let's, <laughs> he had a heck of a season there, but uh, Mika with the turnovers, I think that trumps it. Yeah, with you there. Uh, rookie of the year went Jalen Warren. Uh, that's probably a bit of a surprise. I like to put a surprise on here. Some people mad at me for they think I hate Kenny Pickett because I didn't put Kenny Pickett for rookie of the year. Obviously, you know what Pickett did down the stretch and against the Raiders and especially against Baltimore makes him worthy and deserving of this award. But I want Warren trying to not compare quarterback to running back because, of course, the value of the quarterback always trumps the value of a running back. But who was just the best player start to finish? And Warren just did it all. Undrafted guy beating the odds, beating expectations, runner, receiver, blocker, special teams, just what he, you know, there was no down games, no really down moments, mostly for Jalen Warren, a lot of fun to watch and to see him, you know, really be a healthy presence for this offense to improve its run game, to keep Najee Harris fresh. So many things he did to, to benefit this offense as an undrafted rookie. Um, I know this will be an unpopular opinion, but I wanted to show some love to Jalen Warren. Yeah, look, uh, he he really filled a lot of holes uh, as the season progressed there. Uh, he was able to spell uh, Najee, as you said, uh, the best blocking running back this team has right now. And yeah, Najee's, Najee's good when he's healthy, you know. Uh, but I, I think Warren really showed a lot. Uh, willing to do really anything uh, that he's asked to do, was able to catch the football out of the backfield, uh, all of that there. So uh, I, I don't blame you for going that direction. Yeah, but I know that, you know, Pickett and Pickens will probably dominate the votes there from the Steelers Depot crew. Biggest surprise, I went Cam Sutton, and I expected Cam Sutton to be a fine player this year. I didn't expect him to, to play this well, especially down the stretch, really becoming a uh, one of the better quarterbacks in football. The metrics support that this year, and he's in line for a big payday. So, so that, his versatility, allowing Minka to rotate and move more, um, you know, could have gone in a couple different directions here, but but I want Cam Sutton. Uh, as big a surprise? Yeah. You know what? I, uh, you know, as part of our our uh, terrible takes yesterday, I talked a little bit about Connor Hayward. Uh, how big a surprise was he? I, I haven't made the decision on that, but I mean, what what? Do you, how surprised were you at the season that he had? 
Yeah, I think it was what what he did. Look, I'm you know as I stated, I'm not gonna I'm not trying to put him into Pro Bowl or anything like that. But uh, and I I knew exactly the kind of player that that he was. Uh, Mm -hmm. This you know for his size, I think he's officially like what five eleven or something like that. Uh, He he plays as a as a pass catcher. He plays much bigger than five eleven. He plays. Uh, like a, I don't know, six, two, six, three type type guy, because he's got a nice extension uh, balls over his head. He's got a good catch radius with it, within all that. Uh, so there's that the special teams element. I mean, we, we knew that if he was going to stick on his roster, he was going to have that. I think he had something like nine total tackles uh, within that. And as a blocker, as we stated, look, it's not a guy that you're going to want on the end of the line of scrimmage. They tried to do it a couple of times uh, with him. It did not go well. But I think with Connor Hayward out on the move and split zone coming across, and I thought uh, he really stuck out on tape the last, I don't know, three, four games, uh, cutting, you know, being able to chop down uh, some guys on on, on, on some split, split zone type uh, 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 things that he was asked to do. And then, man, a real heady player on the uh, on that uh, game ceiling uh, end around kind of jet run that he had against the Raiders there, had the wherewithal to go down in bounds and make sure, you know, they, they did win that game in that uh, situation there. I, I knew what we were going to kind of get with him, but I was kind of surprised at, 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 at what he ended up giving him. Yeah, Dave, and, and sorry for the awkward baby pause here. Just got some news that Minka Fitzpatrick was selected to the first ever NFL PA All-Pro team. Now, that is not the quote-unquote official AP All-Pro officially recognized squad, but the union wanted to have a, a true player's vote. So this NFL PA All-Pro team voted exclusively only by players teammates could not vote for for their you know each other essentially so no Steeler could vote for a Steeler and make of its Patrick still making uh the list for the top free safety in football so one of uh many awards make of its Patrick or accolades make of its Patrick has had this year you know good for them for doing this you know uh mm-hmm. how many times have we seen this AP list and mocked the AP list uh people having David DeCastro getting left guard, you know, you know what I'm saying? We, sure. it's, that's been a thorn in, uh, in, in at least my side, I think, you know, for the most part yours as well, too. Uh, you got to have people that know what the hell is going on, uh, you know, to, 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 to vote on this stuff. And a lot of these old AP voters don't, you know, uh, they, they need to, they need either let the players do it or there needs to be some sort of combined, you know, like almost like the, even though the pro bowl is still a mess too. Don't get me started on that, but you know, it should be like a two thirds NFL PA one third AP or so, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the regular traditional uh, that way, and then work out something that way uh, to decide these all, because look, there, there's people that have incentives tied up in this stuff. You know, uh, in the Pro Bowl and 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 you know, uh, 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 Pro Bowl and AP and stuff like that. So, good, good, good for the. You know, all I say is the NFLPA. Good for you. I mean, what what do you think about just a quick look at the selections? I mean, they look they they look on the money to me. Yeah, it does. Although I'll be Aaron honest, Donald, it, you know, it, it doesn't uh, look. Yeah, it doesn't look too terribly different from what I I think the actual AP All Pro you know votes will be. Now maybe there's better 
decisions in terms of guards and, and people in the right spots, left guard, right guard, but the names seem, you know, fairly expected. Right. Maybe this will help influence the AP vote. <laughs> sure. A little bit. You know, by, by putting it out ahead of time there. So uh, anyway, that's that's always I, they got to do a better job on all this uh, Hall of Fame, uh, all pro Pro Bowl kind of stuff. So good. Good for the NFLPA for getting this out in a hurry. Yeah. But again, make it Fitzpatrick, the the lone stealer, but certainly deserving. Uh, no Cam Hayward, the interior defensive lineman was uh, Chris Jones and Aaron Donald. You said the Donald one that feels a little legacy ish to me. But because uh, this, this vote was supposed to be just purely on this season and this season alone, that was the way the union was describing this team. But, um, you know. Could have argued Cam Hayward being on this list. Will he make the actual All-Pro team for the, the AP All-Pro team? I don't think he will, but it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I wonder if uh, I wonder if uh, uh, NFL PA is going to have like a second team announcement. Right, I'm not seeing that right now. Would have been interested to to see that. Uh, but there were a lot of good interior defense alignment, even in the AFC. You had Chris Jones, Jeffrey Simmons, of course Cam Hayward. So uh, you know, we'll see what uh, what happens there. But that is the. The NFL's uh, All-Pro version. Uh, back to the awards here. You mentioned Connor Hayward as the biggest surprise. Certainly, I think down the stretch, especially Hayward was playing a, a much bigger role in this offense and some of the catches he made, you know, late in games, including against the Browns. Impressive. It's just maybe hard for me to give the biggest surprise to a guy that still only played, I think, 174 snaps on offense okay. his, uh, his rookie year. But but yeah, I think it was a, a pleasant surprise and, and his contributions increased and Excited to see him for next year. All right. Who was your who who was your uh, surprise? Oh, uh, Cam Sutton. Cam Sutton. Yeah. Just again, knew it was going to be a you know a fine year for him. Didn't expect a career year to this level uh, that Cam Sutton had. I don't know. Mason Cole kind of surprised me a little bit too at center. You know. Well, that went to my most underrated, and I went okay. Mason Cole on that one. So I think you could probably flip him either way. So okay. uh, before we get to Cole underrated, my biggest disappointment, I went to Kella Witherspoon. Some would say Deontay Johnson, which is, is probably fair, um, but at least Johnson had some positive contrib- contributions for this team. Akella, I mean, and maybe those are my own false expectations, but I thought or hope, understanding that consistency has always been his number one issue. And you talked about the concerns about, you know, can you really trust this guy after the the strong end of 2021 that he had? You were ultimately proven right because Witherspoon, even before being injured, was really just kind of a hot mess. Biggest disappointment. I, I it can't be a color Witherspoon because I'm not what shocked by by. But he played happening. so well down the stretch last year. We both agree upon that, right? Yeah, but I it, to me it kind of felt like fool's gold, you know. Okay. Uh, 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 based on look, I. I don't, that guy's got to get cut at 4 million, I think. Right. Well, th- that's my point is he yeah. came into the year as a starting corner. And I think it was reasonable to think he would maybe be your best cover corner the way he was the end of last year. And now we're talking about, there's a good chance he won't even be, he won't even make it to training camp. If that's not disappointment, then I don't know what is. Uh, okay. Uh, who, I don't want to reveal mine yet. I want time yeah, to think don't, about, don't. think about some of this stuff. Cause I, I run away. I'm, I'm doing stuff for senior bowl and, and shrine games. So I haven't even put pen to paper. Uh, I haven't even put handicap keyboard keys to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a woodpecker up there when I get going, but <laughs> anyway, uh, I'll have, I'll have that out. Yeah. So again, you could go Deontay, but I want to kill it for my biggest disappointment. Most underrated, I want Mason Cole, and maybe that's a little bit of the 
You go from Kendrick Green, who struggled so much in the middle, was miscast to be this team starting center to a more stable, consistent veteran option in Cole. There's, there's just maybe that feeling of a better play than what it was, but I still think Cole was really solid. He played hurt. Um, he was an anchor in the middle, smart guy, communicated well, just kind of that guy you could always count on to play solid football for you. Uh, and you said uh, we'll have all, everybody's releasing these on the staff, right? Yeah, what we'll do is we'll have a, a couple of actual full ballots from you and Josh Carney, some of the the most you know core guys of the depot staff, and then I'll take votes from the whole team. Um, that way, we don't have you know thirty articles on it, but we'll have an actual vote tally that gets released after all the the written ballots. All right, good good deal, and that usually does pretty good, I think. So yeah, I think people are interested in that play of the year. I went to George Pickens catch against the yeah, Browns. Yeah, I don't Week see three. how you can't argue with that one. Well, I almost went to Kenny Pickett touchdown to beat the Ravens just because of the weight of the play in the moment and kind of the the play for Kenny Pickett that maybe defines the encouragement about what he could be in the future. But in terms of the actual wow factor of the play, I, I think you have to go George Pickett. I mean, that 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 might that's got to be in a runner for for the ESPY this year, too. Right. Right. Who had that? There was another catch by somebody later this year. Uh, that was, Je- Jefferson, wasn't it? In, in, yeah, that uh, fourth down uh, play, right? In overtime or, or late or whatever. That, you know. Yeah, that I, may I end up winning it. That was good, but I, I don't know. That, uh, that pick and sketch was, oh, yeah. was, was great. That's the first thing that comes into my mind when, 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 I, when I think about that. Right. And, and same here. And that's why I ultimately went with that coach of the year. This one could go a couple different ways. Typically, I love the, the trenches, but I went Terrell Austin. And there's this weird feeling. Even I've seen it now after the season that some people want to fire Terrell Austin. Dave, I'm not there at all. I think oh. Austin did a really good job. I think handling all the adversity of losing TJ Watt. And the reason why I went with him and it's not solely his uh, his game plan. Obviously, Mike Tomlin's influence on this defense is well known, but all the work this defense did with all the different personnel groupings. And I mean, they had to do something new every week. It felt like to try to try to engineer victory. And so just the amount of work they had to put in, even if it wasn't always pretty the first half of the year, you know, had its rough moments. Um, I, I just saw them. I could see the wheels turning every single week that I turned on the tape and I got to give all those guys credit, Brian Flores, Mike Tomlin, but, but I'll go with Terrell Austin. Uh, I'll go uh, from just uh, off the cuff here, Pat Meyer. I mean, I think he okay. did, a, did, a, did a hell of a job with that offensive line. I think so, too. And that would would have been my second choice for sure. And usually I love the the big guys up front. I think Meyer did a great job to get this group to grow. The last thing on Austin is he's always had that ball, ball hawk mentality, the turnover circuits he would run in training camp. They still run in training camp. And, you know, he's been here for four years, Dave. In three of those four years, Pittsburgh has been first or second in the league in interceptions. They were first place twice, including this year. That's not 100% on Austin. You've got to have good players, and you have a great player in Minka Fitzpatrick that helps boost those numbers. But to me, it's no coincidence that since Austin got here, this team has really become a, a takeaway machine in the secondary. Let me tell you that that defense came on strong during the second half. Now, was it, you know, partly because of who who they played or what, you know, but uh, regardless, they were able to get that uh, just a net yards for passing attempt number down to actually under six. And uh, you know, they got it. They got it to a level where they were, you know, had the offense been good enough, you know, you could say that, that was a team that could have competed you know, in the playoffs. Now, uh, it was definitely a team on the rise on the defensive side of football, really both sides of the football overall. Uh, it's just, you, you needed more out of the offense, uh, 
But you know, I, I think the way this, this defense ended this season, it would have been interesting to see how many explosive plays they would have gave up to a team like the Buffalo Bills with the with right. the version, with the way they were playing ball at the end of the season versus that game back in, what was it, week five against the Bills, something like that. I mean, where they just got hit by home home runs, you know, a bunch mm-hmm. of home runs, and uh, didn't uh, 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 Norwood have to play a lot of snaps in that game? And forget what what uh, what some of the other situations were, but I'm not saying they could have. All I'm, I would have expected a little bit closer game than than the blowout against the Bills, but uh, the the defense, without a doubt, was uh, was seemed to be hitting more, you know, almost on all c- cylinders as this thing thing came to an end. Where did this team finish at both offense and defense in that adjust, adjusted net yards per passing attempt stat? Uh, what were the final numbers and what were the final rankings on on that? I'm just curious. Obviously, the defense, I'm sure, far better than the offense, but I just want to know where the things defense came up. in right under six at 5.9. And and I've always talked about, man, if you want a good shot to win a to, to, to make a run at a Super Bowl, uh, you better you better have a a number. I think 6.2 is the official official number, but you know, realistically, that number better be under six. And they got under six at 5.9. Where did that rank league wide? Do you have that information? Uh, I don't have it sorted here, Alex. But uh, I'll tell you, the 49ers at 5.2, the Chiefs at 5.8, the Saints at 5.4, the Bills at 5.1, the Bengals at 5.8. See the Cowboys. If there, there are a lot of teams with with really? with, with better numbers. There, Patriots at five point two, uh, Buccaneers at five point eight. Uh, that's how bad they were early in the season, mm. getting getting smashed. You know, right. uh, sure. in the, with the lack of sacks and the lack of you know they they were giving up uh, some big plays. Uh, you know, the, all that stuff was hard for them to kind of. To, to, to offset the Packers 5.9 the Broncos 5. Point, so they, they they were still down there when it came to uh overall defensive you know numbers there you know probably bottom half of the league when you look at 5.9 but realistically and we'll see who ends up winning it this year it was long, the Eagles 4.4 4 wow number. yeah so Pittsburgh was probably 16th at best, something like that. Probably. And it had to be in the, like I said, I don't have it up where I can yeah. sort it right now, but it's probably in the set in the bottom half of the league when it comes to that number. Cause I just rattled off all those teams. Texans 5.6. Wow. Uh, but obviously it's a, it's a tale of two, two halves with Steelers. Sure. The second sure, half number sure. was, was far it was better. so bad in the first half there, sure. you know, uh, especially teams that, you know, they got blistered in the, uh, in those games, you know, that, that number took a huge hit against the Eagles and mm-hmm. the, uh, and, 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 and the bills and, and, the, and, and, uh, the, I think the Bengals got him a little bit, you know, in the passing game in there, those numbers stacked up on them and, uh, but I, I think if you look at that, uh, I don't have it in front of me. Maybe you can remind me to talk about it. Uh, the second half of the season, what was their adjusted net yards for passing attempt number? You know, yeah, that was probably among the best in football. If I had to guess, whatever that number would have been. Uh, now, what about the offense? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> yeah, not great, Bob. Uh, 5.0. At least they got it to 5.0. Uh, overall in, in a rough, if you had to eyeball a rank, I mean, there probably weren't many teams that were worse. Chicago, the Texans, Denver. the Texans were worse. Uh, Colts. the Rams, believe it or not, were worse. Okay. The Cardinals, the Colts and the bears. All was worse Denver worse. 
Uh, Denver was 5.2, just slightly better. <laughs> Pittsburgh was worse than Denver. That hurts. Right. That hurts my soul a little bit. Uh, right. So they were probably 20, whatever the number is, 27th in, in, in that category, roughly. Yeah, it's down there. And that you're not going to be able to compete. Uh, you know, if you're if you're going to compete for a Super Bowl, you better you better go into the offseason with a with a defensive number like like the Eagles at four point four. Frankly, uh, though, and again, we understand the improvement, both offense, defense. But the fact that you had roughly a, a bottom five offensive rank and a at best average defensive rank and still went nine and eight and still almost made the playoffs is pretty incredible. Yeah, I think that goes back to talking about Mike Tomlin and all and, and, and the job that he did because uh, this team, I I feel based on what transpired, especially early in the season, no, no T.J. Watt, no, I think this team overachieved by a game or two, to be quite honest with you. And, you know, th- then it goes back to where, where do you place the blame at for them to even be in a situation where they had to overachieve, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh I think Tom, you know, I think because you get into that second half of the season, Alex, it's it's hard to hard to keep things from splintering, I would imagine, you know, because it I mean, it, with all you know, I, what what'd you write at the midway point? It's over or something like that uh, uh, for this team, right? Yeah, that was even after the Jets game. Uh, and I mean, obviously, to an extent, I was wrong. They didn't make the playoffs. And that was kind of my whole point was they're not going to make the playoffs. And had they beaten the Jets, then oh, I, you would have had bring you, that order. What's that? You would yeah, have had a hell of an apology coming, wouldn't you? I was getting a little scared there. I'm not going to lie. By week 18, I was like, oh, am I going to have to, to, to I'm gonna, if I'm going to be old takes exposed on this one or not? But um, <laughs> that was my concern. But yeah, had they beaten the Jets, A, I wouldn't have written the article, and B, they'd probably make the playoffs if they beat the Jets. But those were all. That's all spilt milk. I mean, have you thought? Uh, thought? I mean, I think he even had a terrible take about you know tired of the uh, non-losing season uh, narrative, but you know you almost got to hand it to him for 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 hitting it this year, right? Yeah, my point was, you know, I still kind of cringe at the stat. The players seem to like that was one of their big motivating factors, and so if that helps them get up for a victory to to win down the stretch to not be part of that losing season club. Then I guess it has some some value, some good. I mean, where where do you? I mean, once again, I I look. I had said right from the start. I think they <laughs> give the guy a statue if they get into the playoffs, and they they almost did in 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 all that. But I mean, we'll have plenty of time to reverse engineer this uh, overall. But uh, uh, I mean, I think they I think it really was something to finally get to get this team to nine and eight. Sure, uh, player to watch next year with my awards here, uh, Mark Robinson. I think was it's that all be a part of the? Was that all us all talking about the coaches? Is that how we got that? Part <laughs> we went, I took us on a rabbit hole, but uh, yeah, that was all coming off my Terrell Austin selection for for coach of the year. But player to watch for twenty twenty three, Mark Robinson. I think a pretty no brainer selection. One of the top guys I'll be watching for in camp next year. Yeah, I don't see how it's not. It'd be interesting to see how they, you know, if they go about addressing kind of that stuff. I mean. Uh, there's stuff, as Mike Thomas said, and you know the coaches have said, kind of winding down the season. There, there's aspects there that you want to see when it comes to a player like that. But additionally, he's super raw still, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know how will they be able to harness that? Can they make anything of it? You know, can, can you depend on that, or, or or are you willing to just kind of roll the dice and gamble on it? You know. Yeah, that's a fair point. There, there should be a greater opportunity. I would expect, you know, some of those pending free agents to return. Most 
uh, likely Robert Spillane, but Devin Bush is gone. Marcus Allen, a special teamer to begin with. You know, I do want to see Robinson, and I know the opportunity was more limited this year, but I want to see him make an impact on special teams. His skill set should lend itself to him probably playing better there than what I saw both in the preseason and the couple of games he got this year. So that's going to be important for him, but there should be a a, a potential path to play time of, of some sort next year. And just making that year one to year two jump for a guy that was raw, you know, new to the position, you know, you felt some of the rawness in that finale against the Browns. You would expect him to take a bigger leap than most, even first year to second year guys with a leap is generally pretty big. I would expect Robinson to even take a, a greater jump in 2023. I, I would expect that as well. At, at a minimum, he should be a salt, like you said, a solid, solid special teams player. Uh, and a guy that, that you could put in on the field in some situations there. My best at, addition, at worst. right. My best addition went to offensive guard, James Daniels. And for a time in the summer, I remember those conversations very vividly. Remember some of those one V ones where Daniels did not look good. It felt like, man, this was a big mistake Pittsburgh made, but he got comfortable in Pat Meyer's system, adjusting to the new techniques and way of blocking. And I think by year's end became this team's best offense alignment. Uh, and then that was a great, I mean, you called that one right out of shoot. That was a guy that they should go after, you know? And I was feeling really shaky in August and I feel a lot better about, about calling that right now. Uh, I mean, so. that, that ended up being, I mean, a tremendous really, uh, uh, call and, and it just, I mean, it just looks like he's going to be a guy that next couple of years is going to be, be in there that that's going to be, you know, part, you know, a big cornerstone of that offensive line. And the last award here, my most missed. And I think most people, understandably and, and probably rightly so would go TJ Watt. I like to be different sometimes. So I want Juju Smith-Schuster just for the lack of mm. slot production. You put Claypool there. That, you know, was a, a square peg in a round hole and you, you trade him off. And I understand the value of Sims and, and Olszewski in terms of the jet run game. And you had the stat, what, Pittsburgh, the most jet runs of any team this year right, by, by, by wide 10. margin. Yeah. Uh, and obviously Juju wouldn't have been able to do, to do that the way that Sims and Olszewski can, but just to have that, that guy there for, you know, Kenny Pickett for this offense, another weapon. I think he certainly felt that that lack of production in the past game in, in the slot. I understand. I'm mean, going to look uh, you uh, where, where, where would the, uh, uh, I mean, it would definitely hope to help the yards after the catch, right? Yeah, I think so. And hopefully, you know, the way that Pittsburgh got smarter with Pat Frymouth using him downfield, Pittsburgh would have been smarter with Juju and not had him average, you know, 8.4 yards per catch, um, something like that. So I think you could have gotten some more downfield plays from him and just another guy that, and I, and I get that Frymouth is kind of the new Juju in terms of that option route, third down, you know, underneath receiver, but having somebody else, um, you know, I, I think obviously you would have, because I mean, Sims and Wyshevsky did, did next to nothing. Right, they and and that was one of the and look Claypool really didn't do anything in the slot either right you know and, and more and, harm and, than good most of the time in in the, the limited action that he got in inside there as well too as they're bringing uh pickings along and all and uh that's something that they they've got to get a lot more productive Juju would have given you those hard those hard yards and he a physical guy that could have helped in the uh in the blocking blocking aspect uh, uh-huh. uh, of it as well, too, instead of having Gunner doing some of that stuff. And, <laughs> uh, and look, God, you know, bless his heart. And I said this during the season, they are, they are, they are putting him in a lot of tough situations that, that makes it tough for him to, to win in, but he, he gave it his all, you know, and he, he won one or two of them out on the edge out there. But, uh, uh, man, Juju, it was so good to see him hit some of those incentives and all with the chiefs and all. And, uh, 
Uh, I know it might be unpopular, but I'm I'm kind of rooting for the Chiefs and Juju Juju to win a Super Bowl this year now. Yeah, the guy went from running five yard curls in Pittsburgh last year to now spinning in circles in a huddle with the Chiefs as they just run all the crazy plays and and put up big points. So night and day difference there. And I imagine if, if the Chiefs will have him, he'll want to stay with Kansas City. Yeah, I I would think that as well too. What what ended up being his uh his his uh average yards per, per reception? Let me look that up real quick. A lot higher than last year, I'll tell you that much. I don't know what it was. It was in the 12. double digits. 12.0, right where it belongs. <laughs> yeah. That's what it was early in his career in Pittsburgh. Right. I mean, he was a downfield guy, a pair of 97 yard touchdowns. But yeah, I'm looking at the numbers 2020 yards per reception, 8.6, 2021, 8.6. Granted, very limited time there, 12 yards in 2022. Yeah, he got used the right way. What was his uh what was his yards after the catch in, in the advanced metrics? Uh, I scroll down and try to find where they have that in 465 yards after the catch for him this season. My God. And that's uh, what six <laughs> yards after the catch per reception, and it was in the fours the last two years in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and 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 he earned every bit of those ones in the fours mm, true. as yeah. well too. So it just goes to show you usage and you know uh, obviously healthy and and those four hundred. You got to be kidding me, four hundred sixty-five. Now look, uh, wasn't it what what year was it that he had those long? Uh, those long touchdowns. Was that his rookie season that he his, had? His those? first two years, he had one in his uh, rookie year and sophomore year. Right. Okay. And and you know uh, that that kind of uh, you know helps explains the 648. I think the yards after the catch that they show him in 2018. Uh, he had just 60. Of course, he went out early in the season last year. But 400. Man, the Steelers really good. Did the Steelers even have 465 yards of yak? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, did they? I mean, that's you kind of joke about that. But uh, let, uh, the math. I'm sure they did. I'm guessing they did just collectively. But why, I, I don't. Why, why, I'm going to pull these up one by one. Right. You tell me how many uh, each player. You tell me how 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 many uh, how much yak you think each each one of them had. Deontay well, Johnson. I, I I just cheated on Deontay because uh, I started to look it up. So go ahead and and and, and say uh, the answer. Deontay had 235 yards after the catch. Uh, Pickens. Guess what? What what Pickens would be yards after the catch? I'm going to be miserable at this exercise. I'm going to look really bad here. I think it's going to be low. Um, a hundred. 104. Good guess. Oh, very, right. very, very right. good guess. There. So where are we at there? R- r- write that down. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh 235. It's going to be more than what Juju had. 235, uh, 104, 339. Who, who, who else? Uh, Sims? Wait, is this or, just receivers or wide receivers? Or what are we looking at here? I mean, I guess we'll look at, I mean, I know Firemuth has some decent yak. Yeah. Because if you're uh, looking at just wide receivers, then maybe Juju had more because those are the two receivers. Unless I mean, what what? Friar had two hundred ninety one. So let's let's just look at receivers. Claypool, uh, what 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 did he have? In you know, the good thing, the good thing about this podcast is it it just really becomes a conversation between. <laughs> and it's why we sometimes run a little long. So if you right. don't like the long episodes, uh, we'll, we'll we'll this is our last thing to really talk. Uh, one hundred and five, uh, for 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 Claypool when he was with the Steelers. Okay, and then just give me Sims and. I guess Gunner on his couple of receptions, which right. Sims Steve. might have a little bit of yak just because of some of the the space stuff they did with him, some of the screens and RPO game. Um, might have been I don't know fifty yards. Uh, Sims yards. yards after the catch, uh, eighty six. Okay, higher than I thought. And then Gunner was probably very small in terms of yak, uh, like twenty. 
Uh, Gunnar Olszewski, 13. All right, there you go. So that's a total of 543. And Juju had something like, what do you have for... What did we say the number was on Juju? Uh, 465. Yeah, 465. So Juju almost out-yacked the, uh, the Steelers wide receivers. It's not like Juju some sort of like crazy burner. I mean, Tyreek Hill's yak was 482. I just want to look up. Did any one receiver have more yak than Pittsburgh? Probably somebody did. Uh, Jalen Waddle, 504. I just want to know, did anyone top the Steelers number? Any one player, Justin Jefferson, 624. Yeah, Justin Jefferson had more yards of the action wow. than the entire Pittsburgh Steelers wide receivers. And what, what do we talk about a lot during the season, Alex? You know, they, uh, this team really, really lacked a yacht, uh, lacked, yacked, lacked a, lo- a lot of yak. <laughs> Say uh, that five times fast. Uh, in, in there. So uh, if they're going to address, I mean, we obviously see what's going to happen with uh, – uh, with Austin, you know, coming back in the second season from injury, they're probably going to have to address the wide receiver position at some point during the draft, you would think, right? Or for agency. You know, or I would love that, that veteran slot, Jericho Cotchery type. Right. But they, one thing for certain, they've got to get more yak on this team. And that's yeah, something th- we talked about all season long sure. and probably last year as well, too. All right, so those are the, that's my ballot for the awards. I know some people are already mad about it on uh, on Steel's Depot, but but that's Ooh. okay. We'll have uh, I think Matthew and Josh and you and Jonathan Heitrider will have official full ballots. And then I'll I'll tally the entire Depot staff and we'll get final results there. All right, Dave, uh, that's going to wrap up. Tua Tua remains in concussion uh, concussion protocol. Looks like uh, Skylar Thompson is going to start uh, for uh, for for Miami against the Bills. Good luck for that. And this is still the team that eliminated the Steelers, technically. Mm. Just still mad about that. All right, Dave, let's get to uh, some reader emails and close out today's show. <sighs> you surprised me. I, I surprised you with the emails. That is something yeah. new we're doing. Yeah. That is a new thing. Uh, uh, I wasn't ready. Um, uh, by the Louis, way, uh, Louis, Louis, go ahead. I was going to say just Demar Hamlin officially released from the hospital. So that is uh, obviously excellent news. Uh, Louis Shearer writes in, uh, thanks again for the coverage this season. Looking forward to all the draft profiles plus salary cap talk to come. I have a question about a few guys that will be free agents this offseason. I was wondering what you think will happen. Do they try to keep the following players for next year? He's got the long list here. Uh, I'm uh, Louis, uh, let's, we're going to have a long discussion about that as I get into the offensive de- defensive restricted free agents. We have a lot of time to talk about that. So I, you know, I don't want to get into a conversation right now about this, Louis, because we're going to be having a long conversation conversation in this next week about the restrictive free agents and what we think about each one of them there. Yeah, we'll uh, save that for, for next show. Uh, Bryce, after show. watching yesterday's game from a player standpoint, believe they need to emphasize the planet theory at inside linebacker, defensive line, and of course, offense line. Obviously got to find a number one corner, but this team has to upgrade the front seven to go against teams in the AFC North and combat the uh, quarterback mobility, which one of those three positions I mentioned above would be number one on your list. If we're talking line inside linebacker, defensive line, and offense line, uh, I've, I've already said this several times. I, I would go defensive line. I, I would go uh kick ass guy uh, to kind of pair with uh, Cam Hayward up front there. Yeah. we've kind of shifted and, and things still depend on, you know, what happens in free agency and who resigns and who doesn't. But in terms of we get asked all the time, including in Monday's live stream, you know, what, what is the greatest area of need for this team right now? It could go a couple different ways and it's, you know, it's hard to answer those things in a vacuum, but if he made me answer, I would say defensive line. 
Uh, Deshaun wants to know, wonder if you guys possibly have a number on what Larry O is worth. He says, I'm probably in the minority of hoping the Steelers re-sign him. I just don't know if they can afford to extend Highsmith, Sutton, Edmonds, and Larry O also with the Steelers sitting at 17 with a ton of needs, but not a position glaringly sticking out in the first. Would you take calls for the 17th and trade? It's way too early to talk about trading Deshaun. Uh, Larry O, what's the, what's the number that comes in your head of with, 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 with what he's worked to the Steelers for per season, Alex, after making eight million in 2022. At, at first start, it's probably about eight million again. Now, I just looked at the stats, and it is worth pointing out the guy only had one and a half sacks officially mm-hmm. this year. I think he had more pressures. So the production is not solely based in that stat, but one and a half sacks that that is going to you know hurt potential market value. So seven, eight million dollars per year. I, I'm right there with you. That's uh, uh, right in my head. It, 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 it's seven to eight million, something along those lines uh, there with the inflation of the cap and all you know, right. yada, yada like that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not convinced the Steelers re-sign him. We'll talk about it, though. Dave Rickards writes in, uh, David Knox has the offense used more two tight end and two running back sets since uh, since the Claypool trade. I, he says, I don't watch film, but to my own trade, I looks like they personnel groups were more diverse when Claypool left. They, they really were. They did use a lot. You know, uh, they did have an uptick in uh, in in two tight end. So a little bit, a tiny bit of pony in there. Uh, I think why uh, Derek Watt had an uptick in snaps as well, too. He says, maybe I'm just reading too much into the timing of the move uh, by improve uh, move slash by improvement of the running game. All hell, Pat Meyer, he says thoughts on that, Alex. Well, we can run the numbers in our charting that Tom Mead uh, has done. Right. that can give us those answers. I, I, I suspect. They did run more of those sets for a variety of reasons. A, losing Claypool, not having a real clear next man up in the slot, but also just, you know, when you're getting blown out by the Bills and the Eagles, you're going to be in 11 personnel, passing personnel. You're not going to be running a lot of two tight end sets. And so when you're, you know, playing competitive games, the back half of the year, you're leading games, winning games. The run game was obviously more effective, more efficient. You're going to naturally be in more 12 personnel in those types of moments. So uh, I'm pretty sure the, the uptick was there, um, but there's a little bit of just, correlation that isn't entirely causation uh he asked a question that i've got to now now here we go now, oh is this a cap related thing no it's uh no, no it's going to be about uh, off these tendencies and off i can get it to load here uh, oh you're, you're, you're gonna look up the answer right now right, is that what you're doing okay right. yeah I'm, I'm again trying to at least i assume the uptick is there but some of that a lot of personnel both offense defense is circumstantial it's based on the context of the game the script and you know, if you're winning, if you're down, what what the score is, is, is going to dictate a lot of, of personnel type numbers on a, on you know, a broad some level. Of, some of these these damn graphics ain't loading for some reason here. No. So I'm not going to be able to get, uh, wait a minute, here they come, uh, I think. Uh, oh, the tension you've here. created here in, in terms of what's loading. Okay, this. it is. Uh, what, 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 what week would you want uh, that, that to be from? When, when was Claypool traded? Uh, that, right around the buy, right? Week nine, right? Yeah. So just just do first half, you know, pre buy, post buy. Do weeks one through eight versus weeks ten through eighteen. All right. I'll tell you, they did uh, twelve personnel, twenty seven percent of the time from uh, from week nine on. Okay. And the first half of the year, week weeks one through through eight. Weeks one through eight, fifteen percent. Okay, so yeah, certainly seeing the uptick expected there. Um, would have to dive into the numbers some more to try to 
give some some better context. But off the top, I mean, that, that's a good answer there. I I uh, kill me not being able to provide uh, Dave the answer he <laughs> wanted there. Uh, Craig Sampson writes in uh, great coverage all season. I uh, wanted to hear your thoughts. This is a long one. Uh, I'm going to take the second part of this one here. Uh, what all the, with all the hype, why all the hype around Mark Robinson? He's a seventh round pick. Who's never played a position. He's going to be a third string backup or special teams player. Again, he says he does not understand them being okay with mediocrity. Uh, I don't know if he wants that guy. I'll tell you what, give me a guy that wants to try to make all the tackles and we'll go from there. And, uh, uh, what would you say about Craig saying he's going to be a third? He might be a third string backup uh, special teams player, but the, how would you rebuttal this? Yeah, well, uh, to a to a, a small extent, I, I almost had the same throughout the year in, in terms of preaching patience with Mark Robinson because he was a rookie and because he was, there was so much that he just had to learn and didn't know and had to, to kind of take his time. Uh, but when you watch him, you see all the foundational traits. Mike Tomlin said it well. He has traits you can't coach. And and what Pittsburgh's been yearning for is that physical, downhill, aggressive, hitting type off-ball linebacker. And Robinson can be that. Now, is he going to be the next Fred Warner or Ryan Chazier or this amazing all-around linebacker? Probably not. But it's exciting to see a guy that is, to, to the reader's point, that is still so young, so raw, so new to this position make plays and you see those traits and those flashes. And so while there's certainly work to be done, it's not about where he's at now. It's about where he's going to be. And we talked about earlier about the, the year two jump that, that all rookies make, but I think a guy like Robinson will especially make given the combination of his newness to the position, but also getting some playing time to get his feet wet, make some mistakes and get better. Uh, you learn by doing so you combine all that. I'm I'm excited about just just seeing what you have in the guy next year. Right, and and, and so far he's got you know what the he opens with the question why all the hype around Mark Robinson? I think uh, uh, Alex just answered that. I mean, look, he's raw as raw can be, but the, you know there are traits that you'd like. Now it's a hell of a gamble, you know, from what we've seen so far to say this this can be the guy, you know, but. Within all that, there there should be some hype around him, I think. Yeah. So again, we'll see what what he looks like next year, but but I'm excited for him. I don't. Neither one of us are putting him in the Pro Bowl or anything, right? Right. No. Now? But but we can both see the traits that he has. Right. It's attractive to what the Steelers want, and and frankly, what they need against the AFC North. Like I said, give me a guy that wants to, well, almost like uh, Vince Williams in his early days, a guy that wants to make all the tackles. You yep, know exactly. Uh, now is he as as uh, a physical, you know, guy as as Vince Williams, not yet. I mean, or not not what not when Vince in his heyday, because Vince could blow some, you know what, up uh, mm-hmm. on some pulling guards there. So uh, Mark Robbins got that that ahead of him there. Uh, let's see. Uh, did you guys ever discuss the comments that Mason Rudolph made several months ago when he said, "I love this team"? Well, at least my teammates. I I don't. Maybe we did. Maybe we did. I don't remember. But you know, does it does it really matter at this point? Yeah, probably not. We, I know we had written about it. I don't know if we actually discussed it on the podcast. Um, we know that Rudolph wasn't happy and probably felt slighted with the way that he was, you know, kind of ignored and all these frame competitions never actually gave him a chance. And, you know, right or wrong, that's that's what happened. And he'll be playing elsewhere next year. 
Uh, Dakota Smith, since 2017, there are only 11 teams to not win a playoff game. 21 of them have. The Steelers are not one of those uh, 11 he says there are only 11 teams to not win a playoff game. The 21 one of them have. The Steelers are one of those 11 teams. If the Steelers do not win a playoff game within the next year or two, could this be the end of the road for Tomlin? And look, it, uh, there, there comes a point where, you know, thank you for thank you for coaching this uh, 8 9 team to 9 and 8. You know, mm-hmm. uh, as, as, as good as a, of a coaching job that I think Tomlin did, uh, in 2022, and like I said, if had they made the playoffs, man, I, I think they needed to build a statue for them. And they came, uh, one, you know, one, uh, Joe, Joe Flacco failed attempt, uh, game, you know, against, uh, against the Dolphins in doing so with all that said, yeah, I mean, look, you got to get this team in the playoffs and you got to get them winning playoff games and you got to, you've got supposedly the guy you hope is going to be your franchise quarterback. You this was will be termed maybe the rebuild year or however you want to frame it. So yeah, I mean, they, he, uh, it, it could potentially be the end of the road if he don't get this team in the playoffs, winning some playoff games in the next two years. Yes. It's always hard for me to answer those things because it's so circumstantial based on what happens during the course of a season than just some of the, the, the broad big picture stuff, but absolutely. I mean, this team has to, get back to the playoffs. You know, I understood this year would be that transitional year. And so my expectations were pretty low overall, just kind of from what expectations were. I'm not as disappointed as seasons passed by, by how the year ended. Of course, you always want to make the playoffs and it always sucks when you don't, but I understood this year probably was going to be a bumpy road. And it was um, next year. It's got to be the, the year where you really make a push for the North and to, to get in the playoffs and, and win a playoff game. So it is a, it is a mark on, on Tomlin's record currently that, that has to be erased, but I take everything season by season when we talk about, you know, how much longer should Tomlin be, be right. the coach of this team. One, one more. Sean has uh, good evening, guys. Just a quick thought. I haven't heard this scenario yet. Why couldn't you let Mitch Trubisky go and just offer Rudolph five or $6 million a year for a couple of years to be the backup when all parties at least should know that Mason Rudolph will probably never be a starter in this league. He at least knows the system, playbook, culture, certainly more careful with the ball than Mitch Trubisky. Thoughts on uh, – Mason can't wait for that gate to get open. That's all I have to say about that. Yep, takes two to tango. I'm sure the Steelers would love to have that ideally, but Mason, not happy with his time in Pittsburgh, doesn't want to be in Pittsburgh, wants to go somewhere new, fresh start. So if you could if you could wave a magic wand and make it happen, sure, but it doesn't work that way. There's human emotion, and, and you know, obviously there's, there's choice now for Rudolph, and um, he'll be going somewhere else. I, I think Mason wants to kind of go the path uh, that, you know, thinking that maybe go somewhere he where he might get a chance to start or something, you know, or at least – be be in line uh with it with an opportunity to do so you know yeah at least to compete maybe in theory or i and again i just think he's unhappy with kind of getting a raw deal in pittsburgh which i mean he's he's right about i understand why pittsburgh you know had you know pickett and and trubisky get all those reps in camp to see what those guys could do uh he probably goes probably just follows the, the james washington path and goes to dallas and backs up dak or who knows something like that all right uh one more. Happy New Year from Jim Bendis. Uh, quick question. What will it take for Minka to be Defensive Player of the Year for 2023? I think he is deserving of the title, but what does a safety have to do to get it? I mean, is he meaning 2000? He says 2020. Jim, are you meaning this season or next season? Uh, I mean, I guess I, he's I, saying, like, if, like if he now, doesn't win it this year, what will he have to do to, 
to get there next year? What is the because I think he's assuming that Mink is not going to win it this year, which he's right about. Yeah, uh, a lot, probably four more interceptions at least. I mean, you've probably got to be around for for a safety or whatnot to kind of win that. What what did what did Troy have way back when? Seven and Ed Reed in 04 had nine when he Mm. won it. It's tough because the sack numbers have gotten gaudier. And so when you got guys and, and freaks like Parsons and I mean, I, I think Parsons will win it this year. I don't I haven't looked at it super closely. You got Bosa and Judon. It, it, it'll take an outright lead uh, in the interceptions and probably even more than that. How much did the fact that Troy, a lot of Troy's probably, I, I don't, you know, he had so many through his year. How many, how many in the year that he was defensive in the MVP? Uh, how many were those highlight kind yeah. of plays and how much does that factor into, and uh, what I'm getting at, and it's, it's not a diss on Minka. Minka's so good at reading stuff and putting himself in the right position, all like that. I mean, his, his interceptions aren't highlight real. I mean, aren't, oh my God, did you see that kind of, kind of things? And how much does that hurt a player, but help a player like Troy where, oh my God, I can't believe he intercepted that. You know what I'm saying? No, it's a really good point. The voters are vote with their eyes and plays they remember over the course of a long season. So it's a really good point. If you had to give me a couple prongs of how he wins it, leads an outright lead in, in interceptions uh the Steelers are a good team where they're uh you know one of the top teams in the AFC that gives yourself extra recognition and a year where maybe the sack leader only has 15 or 13 and it's kind of a down year for any one individual pass rusher you combine those three things that's probably the path to do it right I mean you understand my take about the oh yeah is, is there an oh my god factor in the uh in that, you know, right. So. Cause Minka of his six picks, didn't really have an, Oh my God interception. The block right. extra point was kind of one of those type. Wow. Plays, mm-hmm. although it kind of gets forgetting because it's week one and that feels like forever ago, but, but that's a great point that you made. And, but, and it's not me dissing Minka, you know, no. because I mean, the guy gets himself in such a good position to make some of those too. You know, he makes it look so easy. You kind of right. take some of those plays for granted. Good point. That's probably, uh, I take you for granted, Alex. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so my defensive player of the year next year, you, I'm you, uh, you, you are, you will always be my, uh, my defensive uh, blogger of the year. Uh, oh, wow. What an uh, honor. All right. The way too man, the email boxes full. we just don't have time to get to them all. So uh, if we skip some and you think that they, they need to be hit on, resend them please to the terrible podcast at gmail.com because they, you know, they get buried in the, in the email machine here and all. And some of them maybe get, uh, get stale or whatnot like that. So uh, if you, and, and let some of the new people send some of you, we, uh, we appreciate obviously our, our regular listeners here, but we, you know, a lot of the same names show up in here. It'd be nice to give some, some new email or some names that we haven't heard from during the off season, uh, some time to get some emails in as well too. So if you'd like to be part of that, the terrible podcast at gmail.com. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Let's see. I'm working on the uh, rest of my free agent stuff. I got salary cap stuff coming for everybody. Uh, Alex, uh, I, what, what you got coming? Uh, I'm not awards, sure exactly when. Yeah, the there's Depot the awards, awards. site. Uh, I'll have my final sack breakdowns, my final defensive charting numbers, and, and all those type of uh, good numbers. So that'll be on the horizon on the site. All right, uh, at Alex underscore Kazor to follow him at Terrible Podcast. Uh, once again, email the show, the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to donate to the cause and you think we did a good job this year and you think you want to help 
uh, maybe support you. Know, some of this money can can help send some of these people to to the Senior Bowl and the Shrine Bowl. We've got all the you know a lot of people going out there. Uh, go to SteelersDepot.com and hit that donate button upright navigational bar, and you can send a donation uh, that way and help out. Also, if you like an ad free version of the site, SteelersDepot.com, hit the ad free button upright navigational bar. Uh, once again, man, I'm in. I'm deep heavy in spreadsheets, getting these guys ready for for the All Star Games. It's going to be an exciting time for us, even though. On, on Cedars Depot, even though the season's over. So with all that, as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.